The podcast this week is brought to you by Peninsula Filmworks. Shocking stories, crazy stories, moving stories, but mostly authentic stories from the people of Door County. The craftsmen, the artists, the entrepreneurs, the characters. Peninsula Filmworks is dedicated to bringing you stories from across the county via exclusive video content available online at PeninsulaFilmworks.com, DoorCountyPulse.com, and on your social media platform of choice. Welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast, where each week we talk with the writers and editors of the Peninsula Pulse about the articles and stories you'll find in this week's issue. I'm joined today by Jackson Parr, assistant news editor for the Peninsula Pulse. How's it going, Jackson? Not too bad, Andrew. I'm doing well. Good. So we're going to do something a little different this week. Uh, We have some news to share, and that is that you are no longer with us by the time this podcast comes out. If it's any time after Tuesday of this week, then yes, that is a... An accurate statement. So we're, we're sad to see you go, but we're very excited for your future endeavors. Why don't you tell us where you're moving on to? So I will be uh, heading down to Madison, Wisconsin, all the way down south. Uh, I will be pursuing a master's degree in public policy at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. So that's kind of my, my next step in my what I might consider still a young career. Very cool. Uh, what, what degree do you have right now? Where'd you get that? So I got my undergraduate degree at the University of Iowa. Mm-hmm. Oddly enough, I actually did my first semester of undergrad at UW-Madison, and then I transferred to Iowa to be a part of their writing program. The University of Iowa has a pretty renowned uh, creative writing program that I was able to kind of participate in. Got a degree in uh, English and journalism, so double, double major there. I also had a minor in exercise and human physiology, which I don't employ that much now. I employed it a little bit more when I was a super competitive triathlete, but, uh, yeah. So now moving on to the, uh, the big leagues as far as degree seekers. Right. What does that minor entail? You know, I actually, I took a couple courses in human physiology just to learn more about, particularly in nutrition. Actually at the time I was a, a very strict vegan, uh, which helped my racing. I just felt lighter. I was faster. Um, so I took a physiology course, a physiology of nutrition course at Iowa to learn a little bit more about the actual structure of nutrition. Another course in exercise physiology kind of aligned with the whole racing scene. And in my last semester, I realized that I only needed one more course in physiology to uh, to qualify for the minor, if you will. So I I can't even remember. Maybe it was like, I think it was pathology was the last course, which I didn't do quite as well in, uh, but ended with a uh, minor in human physiology. So another mark on the resume, I guess. Right. I knew a bunch of people where I went to school at Augsburg because it's a private Lutheran school. Um, you had to take a couple religion classes. And then I think if you took maybe like two or three more, you could get a minor in religion. So there's a lot of people who graduated there just like, oh, I'll take two more classes and then I get a minor in that. Um, I know I didn't get a minor in college because I spread out all of my extra credits across writing and film and um, different theatrical stuff. So I never got enough courses to, to complete a minor, but I did technically triple major in theater. So we had three different tracks and I completed all of those tracks, but... 
no minor on my, on my degree, but, um, so did you, did you go through the creative writing course at Iowa then? So the, the, the renowned creative writing track at the university of Iowa is their writer's workshop. So their MFA program. So that would have been a master. So I was, I was an undergrad there, um, but I was in the English department. I did do the creative writing track. So all of my teachers, all of my professors were either teachers or students in that MFA program, which is pretty consistently ranked among the top in the world. Uh, so I, I had uh, some, uh, some good mentors in writing at that time. Cool. So Jackson, why don't you take us back uh, even further? Did you grow up in Door County? I grew up outside of Chicago in Elmhurst, Illinois. So I'm, I don't handily uh, give that information out, but I guess at this point, having said it into a podcast, Mike, uh, there's no turning back now. And what brought you to Door County for the first time? Uh, my family had been coming up to Door County for a week every summer since before I was born. Uh, we always stayed in Fish Creek. When I was about 15, uh, my family got a place here and I promptly began washing dishes at the White Gull Inn. Did that for two summers. Quick stint at uh, Moretti's Pizza, which I think now is analog coffee. Uh, an even shorter stint at Cooper's Corner as an 18-year-old bartender who knew very little about mixing drinks, but luckily it was mostly beer. And then what brought you to the Pulse? So I had interned at the Pulse in one of my summers in college. And at that time, I was the English journalism major, got an internship at the Pulse. Family had a place up here, an easy place to kind of hang out for the summer. Mm, it um, all made sense. Yeah, two of my friends were living up here with me from, from Elmhurst. And we had a little, a little band that we'd kind of play the, the Door County circuit with. Mm -hmm. What band? We were uh, the Hunga Dunga Trio. Nice. Which we'll go into the weeds a little bit here. We were all really big fans of Pokemon. Okay. When we were young. Sure. Who wasn't and, our age? Uh, of course. And there is an episode in the Pokemon TV series where there's a massive wave, like a tsunami wave, mm -hmm. and it's called Humunga Dunga. Okay. The name of the wave. So that was the name of our band for a little while. And we would just street perform. We would play, I think we played up on Eagle Tower once just for kicks because that was funny. Uh, we'd always play in front of the confectionery in Fish Creek, just kind of mess around. Mm -hmm. um, and when we, one time we were playing in, in front of the confectionery, the owners of J. Jeffrey Taylor, the gallery right next door came over and asked if we, if we wanted to play in front of, um, kind of on their patio, almost stage. Sometimes they do live music up there. And we said, of course. Mm -hmm. So like three, he asked the name of the band and we said, Humunga Dunga. And he just kind of nodded and walked away. And we came back three days later and it had said the Hunga Dunga Trio today. So we just uh, went with that from cool. then on. That was your new name. Yes, that was our new name. What did you play? We just did covers. I mean, we ended up doing some original stuff that my, my buddy Pete wrote uh, towards the end. But I mean, covers of everything you can imagine. I mean, Ray Charles, John Denver, uh, a lot of like blues tunes. I play a lot of blues guitar. Under the Sea from Little Mermaid. That was always a huge hit. Okay. Um, I think that might have been the first song we learned, which was funny because it's really hard. Sure. It's very, all those Disney tunes are, are rather, uh, the chord progressions are. No, they are. 
Um, in, in theater, lots of people our age will use Disney songs as audition songs. And Disney songs and to a greater extent, Stephen Sondheim music are really, they're not great ones to drop in front of an accompanist for an audition because they're very like, okay, here we go. Um, but yeah, lots of people use those um, Little Mermaid Disney princess songs for auditions. And then it's like, okay, well, not only is this kind of cliche, but it's also a hard one to play through. So I feel you on that. Yeah. Um, it was always a big hit though. And then after graduating college in 2014, I uh, was out in Lake Tahoe for a little bit, planned on, I packed up my minivan and drove out there with the intention of never coming back. I was, my whole life, I was always going to California. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I went to California and I didn't love it that much. Okay. Um, when I was in Tahoe, pretty much the entire Tahoe basin was on fire. So I promptly uh, drove back. There was a job open as a news editor. Uh, and I think at that time it was just a, a reporter, a news writer uh, at the Pulse. Had a fresh journalism degree, knew Door County pretty well. I um, So I made the move up here and uh, that's, that's been about four years almost now. And you're, you're heading back to school. Uh, are we still going to see articles from you moving forward? I think so. I mean, being at the Capitol, I think I have a unique proximity to state politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that part of what prompted me to kind of go this direction is I found that I like state politics and I like going into the weeds on things, maybe a little bit more than a smaller town weekly newspaper uh, can afford to fit on the the few pages we we run. Right. But I think being in Madison, um, you know, I can keep a watch on Joel Kitchens, Caleb Frostman, or whoever it is. And after November, I guess okay. uh, our, our state representatives. Um, so I think there's still opportunity for me to uh, participate in the Peninsula Pulse. Well, good. And that's a great opportunity for us too. I mean, we had talked last week in the podcast and, and a couple times throughout the last couple episodes about how state and national issues trickle down into local economies. So to have you position there and, and sending us stories back will be, will be really good. I think. Yeah, it'll be fun. Um, so your time throughout the pulse, uh, tell me, tell me some of the highlights. Uh, do you remember any stories that you chased down articles you wrote, people that you met that stand out that, uh, maybe some characters or some things you learned over time? You know, over time, I gained just a weird fondness for municipal meetings, which people just, they don't get it. And I still don't really get it. But I just, I'm interested in the way that these local elected officials drive the agenda for the local municipality. Mm. And the community members, at least in my own subjective experience, have a little bit more they care a little bit more because they see the impacts more immediately. I mean, yeah, you can talk about healthcare policy and immigration and these, these big kind of macro concepts, but there's a lot of people that really care about whether there's a sidewalk here mm-hmm. and just these like small nuanced, really communal topics that, that people get really passionate about it. And I just thought it was, it, it's like an interesting observation of human behavior, seeing how people interact with that differently from those kind of macro topics. Sure. 
I mean, the the political drama that plays out state and nationally can be, you know, I mean, they're they're issues that infect or that affect thousands, millions of people here, maybe not so much, but it still does affect people. And the, the levels of drama can be just as high when you're, when you're debating on changing the way that the County looks or the roadways or increasing taxes on people. Uh, those are things that people get really fired up about. Um, and I, I would imagine that it's an interesting it's an interesting thing to watch at such a, a local level to just see these people that you know in the community getting fired up about it. Yeah, which is always an interesting balance to strike for me. I mean, I, I think I, I'm sure people will disagree with this, but I, I believe that I came from kind of the, the old world journalism where trying to be entirely objective and keeping personal relationships out of it, which is really hard in this kind of community. I mean, there were people that, took my spin class that I was going to have to be writing on later that night or uh, just being a member of the community implies that you're going to build relationships with people that you're going to have to report on, which makes that objectivity difficult. So that was kind of a, it's kind of a fun thing to navigate. I mean, and how to figuring out how do I tell the story while keeping my personal relationships separate? I mean, one of the things my, my sister had a big role in the kind of initial groundwork of the new Eagle Tower campaign, which was kind of my beat. And it's like, how do you, how do I navigate that as the, you know, the independent journalist? Right. Well, how do you even do an interview with your sister for the newspaper? Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you, it was easier to schedule. I had her cell phone number, so uh, I could just hop over there and and chat for a little while, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's just, I don't have any other word for it other than like, it's just an interesting environment for news reporting. Are there any particular stories that you can recollect that were interesting over your time here? You know, it was a fun one. And honestly, probably the one that I think prompted my pivot towards what will be my education public policy uh, was the E from beer and wine stuff that went down about two years ago. Um, mostly because it got really complicated. Sure. Why don't you describe it a little bit? Cause I, I know that it was a dry County and then it wasn't, but I didn't pay attention to the particulars as much. Yeah. So Ephraim was the, it's the last, it was the last remaining dry municipality in the state. I think, I think Sparta or somewhere out near like Sparta, Toma, there was somewhere out there that also had it up until about 10 years ago, I want to say. But yeah, Ephraim being this last kind of weird haven, I guess, if I don't know if that's the word, but uh, last dry municipality in the, in the state of Wisconsin. And there was a move by local residents to overturn that with a referendum. So there was this petition process that the residents had to go through to get a question on the ballot asking the voters, should we allow beer and wine? And it's kind of funny. Those questions were required to be separate. So should we allow beer? Should we allow wine? And the wine one passed by a lot, but the beer one was a little closer, which I just thought was Interesting. Funny. I mean, it 
that kind of nuancey stuff. I mean, it's right. just, it's goofy. Well, and could you imagine if one passed and one didn't? Yeah. It's like, can I get a spotted cow? It's like, no, we have a nice Merlot. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there was, that was going on, but then something like a few weeks before the referendum was to take place, the law that set up the state law that set up the petition process was repealed. Okay. And so everybody was like, well, this petition process doesn't exist anymore. Or that was, I'm sorry, that was going to happen. Governor Walker actually held off on signing this, the repeal of this law, just because nobody knew how it was going to affect Ephraim's vote. Right. So at the time they were like, well, this is how you go about getting beer and wine in the municipality. They started doing that. And then right before they were going to vote, that was going to be repealed. So it's like, well, the process doesn't exist anymore. So does this just all kind of dissolve? Doing it. Uh, so it, it was just, it was just funny. And the whole time heated conversations, we had like a, an aggressive letters to the editor section for a couple weeks. Um, it was just a, it was just a funny story to follow, but I started getting into the weeds a little bit with like state statutes and, the regulation of alcohol licensing, the quotations around alcohol license designations. So like a class, stay with me, a class quote B unquote is different than a quote class B unquote license. Like who knows why that's the case. But, uh, so I just, I got into the weeds on that stuff and it was interesting. And I found that I, I enjoy mining the state statute website and looking at other communities and how they handled some similar situations. And I think that kind of started driving me in the direction of uh, where I'm going now, which is kind of a deep dive into public policy analysis, research, that kind of stuff. So what, what are you looking to do with a master's degree? So when I uh, start school, I imagine that I will emphasize, and this is, we always have an idea of what we want to study when, before we're going to college and then you get there and you, I mean, when I was, when I went to undergrad, I was a anthropology and theology major. Sure. So ended up on a slightly dif- different traje- trajectory. Oh yeah. Same here. When I went to college, I was secondary education and theater double major. And my goal was I wanted to teach high school theater for a little bit and then maybe move on to become a professor and teach at a college level. And my first week, one of the, one of the career counselors was like, if you want to be a professor, then just skip the secondary ed degree, just get a theater major and then you can become a professor right off that. So and here we are doing a podcast. Right. Exactly. Uh, so, but as of now, I am interested in um, agriculture and water quality. Uh, water policy. I mean, I think in our lifetime, I think fresh water, clean water is going to be the kind of hot topic mm-hmm. um, nationwide, really. Uh, I have a particular interest in, in rural issues, rural land use. Um, so some kind of blend of that. Uh, I don't know if that would be ending up in... Um, a job with the state, with a, a nonprofit, a private organization, uh, but doing some kind of research policy analysis. Uh, I don't want to say advocacy, but maybe outreach and communications, kind of leveraging what I've done in the past couple of years with 
what I'll be studying over the next two years. Were these interests of yours before you came to the Pulse or are these things that you've cultivated in the last couple of years? They've definitely been cultivated in the last, last couple of years. I mean, all the, all the ag topics, particularly down in Kiwani and Southern Door. I mean, I really enjoy talking to all the farmers down there, big and small, whoever they are. My dad grew up on a small farm in Southern Illinois. I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago, but I think there's still a little bit of that kind of rural ag uh, in my bloodline at least. Um, but a lot of the work that I've done at the Pulse has been, has steered this, this interest that I'll probably pursue. Sure. Um, another thing that I wanted to chat about. So almost a year ago now, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. You, uh, oh, you're going to do this to me, yeah, aren't you? You embarked on a journey and I, I was working at the bank at the time and that's when I first had met you. Uh, and we chatted about this a little bit before you went off, but why don't you tell everybody about your, uh, your journey that you went on? My, my shorter, uh, it was a shorter journey than I had intended. Sure. So, so, so in January of 2017, I flew to San Diego with the intention of walking to, I think at the time it was Washington DC. So I was going to walk across the country. Um, and that was something I'd always kind of wanted to do. It's always been sitting in the back of my mind. And so I kind of structured things so that I could give myself what I thought would be a, a six month journey to do so. Sure. And you have an athletic background too. We should say that you, in college, you were a collegiate cyclist. Yeah. So I raced, I raced, uh, cycling and triathlon in college, uh, kept doing it for a few years after that. Um, in the, in 2016, the year leading into what would be this somewhat of a non-journey, um, I, that was my most competitive triathlon year. So I, I think I did like eight or nine races. I performed pretty well. Uh, so physically you were, you were ready for this. Uh, well, apparently not. Um, <laughs> I, cause the wheels started falling off around two, two to 300 miles in. Well, before we get there, why did you want to embark on Jackson's Odyssey? Oh. I don't really know. Like I just, it was something I've always wanted to do. I've had, yeah. So I don't really know what drove me to do it. Yeah. I've always had a little bit of wanderlust, um, but yeah, I'm not one to simply just drive down the highway and see what happens. Like I need to have a kind of goal or, uh, something that structures my wanderlust, which is a strange paradox. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was just, it was something I've always wanted to do. I knew a lot of people that rode their bike across the country and at that time I was definitely becoming more of a runner. So I was like, well, let's just take the bike away and see what happens. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't, I honestly don't have any kind of cogent explanation for why I decided to do that. Were you, were you testing yourself or, or looking for something? Uh, I, I don't know if I was looking for something. I think it was something I'd always had in the back of my mind and I knew that I was at that time I was even planning on kind of pivoting to grad school. Uh, and it was kind of like a now or never, I mean, give it a shot. You can't say you didn't try to do it. Uh, so that was it. Honestly, like I, I wish, and maybe 
years down the road, I'll have some better explanation. But uh, at the time, it was just like, this is something I've always thought about doing. Let's go for it. So you decided to go for it and you, you did fly to California, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was, uh, yeah, I got all the gear. I had a pretty good training regimen going into it. Um, took a great photo, Len Villano of you. Oh yeah. I, know. I had a little photo shoot with Len. I wrote a whole story about what I was doing, which You're was the cover weird. of the pulse. I was on the, oh yeah. Yeah. God. Um, I didn't really talk about my trip much before I did it, mm-hmm. uh, in the months leading up to it. I think about a month before I, I left, I kind of put out a call out that said, Hey, this is roughly my route. If anybody can offer any kind of like homestays or, um, but before that I was very quiet about what I was doing. I just, I knew what my goal was. I didn't want to involve other people's opinions on that. Cause anyone who, who you tell, Hey, I'm going to try to walk across the country. Like there's, there's going to be a conversation there. That's not always the most supportive. Right. So, and then right before I left, I wrote, I actually think the issue came out when I was already gone. Mm -hmm. I think I left on like a Tuesday and it came out on Friday. Uh, So I was on the road when this came out and uh, maybe that was, maybe I I should go back and read that and see what I was thinking back then about why I'm doing it. Um, But yeah, I left uh, for San Diego Spent my first night on the the beach of the Pacific Ocean, and then the next morning, uh, headed due east, and I ended up making it about two hundred miles um, before I was in Bra- Brawley. I always get Bra- I think it was Brawley, California, so middle of the desert. Um, it's actually where they shoot all the like desert Star Wars scenes, oh, okay. so like real desert. And I, I went to a doctor cause my, my ankles were, were getting kind of beat up. I was having trouble walking and she basically said, you know, you have to stop this or you're not going to walk again. Uh, which was, I mean, it was tough to hear. Um, I, I couldn't tie my shoes cause my ankles were so swollen. Like it was, it, it gotten, pre- it gotten pretty bad. How much did, how long into the trip was so this? So that was that was probably about two weeks and looking back, what I did wrong was I went way too fast, way too soon, which I knew that I was going to do that. When I, when I would race, when I was a competitive athlete, I always went out too fast and I knew that I was going to do that this time, but it was this weird, like 4,000 mile journey as opposed to, you know, a 5k at the end of a triathlon. Were you walking or running or a little bit? I was of walking. Okay. Um, yeah, just had a backpack with everything, everything I needed. But yeah, I did, I did about a hundred and a little over a hundred miles in the first three days. And that, I mean, that basically signed, signed off that my trip was done. Sure. And it, another thing I would do differently, uh, should I pursue this again, which is at this point, more unlikely than it was two years ago. Uh, starting on the East coast. I mean, the West coast, you get past the, the ocean, the 30 miles from the ocean and it's desert. You've got 90 miles between towns. Those towns themselves are a little more than gas stations and some campers for the, for the winter. Uh, yeah, but I ended up, so when the doctor told me that I 
had to stop or threaten not being able to walk again. Uh, I got a bike. I, I walked to the Walmart in Brawley, California, and I bought a, just a, a bicycle and I kind of jerry-rigged my gear and my backpack on, on that. And I kept going, um, for about another 200 miles, but things weren't really getting any better. Sure. So I, uh, I bagged it in, um, Globe, Arizona. That's where I hitched a, a long, long Greyhound bus ride back home. Did you, okay. So you didn't make it all the way through, but looking back on the trip, I mean, what do you think? Was it, was it a success? Was it a mistake? What do you think about it? You know, I'm glad that I did it and that I can say that this is something that I always wanted to try to do. And I tried to do it. Mm -hmm. Didn't work out. Uh, there's definitely like some disappointment there. I mean, I had a goal and I didn't, I didn't achieve it. And you know, everybody you tell is going to say, well, you, you know, you, you learned so much from it and I'm sure you had great experiences anyway. And that's true. I mean, there was a woman I met in the desert. I don't remember the name of this place. Ocotillo. That sounds close. Um, and she had like a camper that she wasn't using and she let me stay there for a night and she showed up in the middle of the night with like a bunch of food and water and gear. And like, I was literally brought to tears because of just how nice she was. And I was probably also super loopy from my, you know, what I was doing. Um, and there were, there were moments like that. Uh, but I didn't, I didn't achieve what I wanted to do. And then there's just inherent disappointment in that too. Sure. But you can at least say that you tried. You, you can tell your kids or your grandkids that I tried to walk across the America. I did, yes. Yes, I did try to do that. So, uh. And I think maybe, maybe you might have had unrealistic expectations because Tom Hanks made it look really easy. I mean, he, he did. He did. He did not have as much gear as I did, though. So uh, I don't know how he did it. But uh, actually, there's a, running, there's a running joke now. I, occasionally, I'll do running races up here and I'll dress as Forrest Gump and... I think I did that before I did this trip, uh, but it kind of added a new level of humor to it that I had actually attempted to walk across the United States. I, I've seen videos that we've shot of you in different costumes running different races. Oh, goodness. Um, true or false, were you the wild tomato man? True. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought. I remember seeing this red morph suit running through the race and I was like, look at this, this is funny. And then... Brett Cosmiter was, he turned to me and was like, oh yeah, that's Jackson. You know what the most disappointing part about my trip is I had brought an audio recorder to record everything. Cause as far as journaling goes at the end of a long day, the last thing I want to do is like physically write what happened. Um, so I would just talk into this audio recorder and I lost it. I don't know where it is. Uh -huh. So I have probably, I probably have like three or four hours of audio from me on the road. Um, and I, and, and that was the only thing that I had from that trip. Like I didn't, I didn't keep any kind of any other records. So you didn't take pictures it. or anything? Uh, I mean, I took a couple pictures and I tried to do Instagram, but I'm not good at social media. So that kind of floundered, but yeah, this audio recorder and I, I don't know where it is. Did it make so, it back with you? Do you think? I have no idea. Okay. I honestly don't. So it could be anywhere. It might still be in that Greyhound bus. All right. Well, if you're listening and you know where Jackson's recorder is, <laughs> bring it back to us. Yes, please. So, so that's, that's about it. Then. <laughs> um, 
is there anything else that you that you want to share before we wrap up here? You know, it's funny in the weeks in the weeks leading up to me leaving. I mean, I'm going to Madison. Like, I'm not going to Nepal. Right. Uh, and it's been funny how you know people are telling me they're going to miss me and and all that. And I, I guess I just don't see that kind of separation. I mean, I have family up here. I've, I'm, I'm talking with uh, my manager at the Whistling Swan about picking up shifts on the holidays. Like I'm still going to be around. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's not quite as uh, sharp of a, of a goodbye. Right. You're as, not leaving full stop. And are you planning, how long is your degree program? Is it a four year? Two year program. Okay. Uh, and we'll see what happens. I mean, I want to stay in Wisconsin, but uh, don't know if that means coming back up to Door County. You don't know what doors open themselves up right. once you're in a new place. So we'll just kind of see what happens. Cool. Are you hoping to slowly fade away or are we going to have a final going away party for you in two years? You know, well, Miles texted me the other day asking if I was going to be around on like these certain days. Uh, and I'm not one for going away parties. I would, I would definitely prefer to just quietly pack up my car and, and drive down uh 57. Uh, but, but that's not always up to me. So. Well, cool. Uh, I guess that that's it then. Um, thank you so much for chatting with me. Um, I'm sure we will hear more from you in the coming months as you, as you, uh, correspond, if we can get you back into the podcast again, that would be awesome. But if we don't, thank you so much for everything that you've done for the podcast and for the pulse. And we'll, uh, we'll see you later. Yeah, it was fun. And, uh, thanks for, to any readers, uh, those who liked me and those who didn't, I appreciate, uh, your comments and your, uh, your attention for the time that I was here. Stories and more will be available in this week's issue of the Peninsula Pulse, available throughout Door County. Don't forget to subscribe to the Door County Pulse podcast for your weekly Pulse picks, interviews, and exclusive content from the Peninsula Pulse. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.